0: We are in Bed with Books. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm Melissa and I'm Bethany.
1: If you'd like to find us outside of wherever you're listening from, then you can find us on our website inbedwithbookspod.com, on Instagram at inbedwithbookspod, and find us on YouTube for video versions of the podcast and bonus episodes. So let's jump right in. Today is a good day because I get to talk about my favorite book. Which is *Wuthering Heights* by Emily Bronte. I, the ritual obsessive Piscean in me, is just loving this because I have my mug that is, <laughs> "I am Heathcliff, Aww. Wuthering Heights" from the Bronte Parsonage that I visited when I was in London. Um, it's full of wine, but
0: <laughs> I yeah, I know I was
1: like tea, wine, tea, wine. It's like. Eh, wine <laughs> it's a good night
0: <laughs> yeah yeah how was your experience well this is the second time now that I'm reading it mm-hmm. no third third I don't know it is I've I've read it less than Frankenstein I know that right I love it I do I mean you know I love like a toxic literary man it's my biggest red flag um possibly why i've been single for so long but um i don't think that's a problem it's it's complex th- that that toxic like the- we don't have
1: to get into your personal
0: <laughs> no 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 no. no. Well, it, it's, it's toxic is it's no hard because like you so like it's it's written as this kind of just like shadow version of like a Jane Austen novel Mm. and so you Mm -hmm. so want it to go even though I know what's happening and I know how it's going to turn out like I still hope that I'll read the next page and Catherine won't be terrible and like Heathcliff his revenge won't be around every like corner but it's so good because of that as well mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something and I I want you to know that I say this with like the best intentions in some ways it reminds me of like Jersey Shore <laughs> like the 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 conflict between Heathcliff Catherine and Edgar and Isabella kind of like the back and forth the she's screaming at both of them she locks them all in the kitchen together like yeah it's this kind of is a
1: it's
0: dr- not, <laughs> <is> not normal <laughs> it's that's, so yeah. good I love that part like I'm not saying that is a bad thing yeah at like all.
1: it's dr- like the drama like
0: yes, uh, yes. theatrics
1: of it the, is yes the theatrics very much very there much so yep and yep. that's that comes from Kathy yeah
0: and he I mean yeah yeah, Heathcliff definitely has like the dramatic entrances and the dramatic like reveals, but Kathy has like dramatic everything. She doesn't mm-hmm. get her way, and she's like, "I will perish now." Thank you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like
0: the the gall, the- I know. the audacity of this girl. <laughs> I know, I.
1: This time around, too, and the last time I read it, I was like, you know what? I I want to read it again, and I want to really focus on Kathy because she's a bit of an enigma. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: popular culture, what everyone knows is Heathcliff, right? And then Kathy's just kind of this woman, this girl yeah. that he's obsessed with, and she's obsessed with him, and da da da, da. and, like, obviously her role is the one that makes the first mistake Mm -hmm. right and until she does make the ultimate mistake which is choosing edgar because she yeah the first mistake she made was choosing to be around edgar more thus right uh creating the bridge between her and Heathcliff. what's interesting is and we can kind of talk about kathy i guess right now which is yeah part of me like doesn't want to believe that she's a narcissist but i think she is oh (laughs) yeah i can't like like, because i don't want her to be well like part of me is like it can't be that simple like i want her to be a bit of more of like a less of a like i don't want her to be shitty and she is (laughs) (laughs)
0: like i i do think that goes back to that like it's it in the very beginning it's framed very much like a Jane Austen marriage plot
1: mm-hmm. and at
0: every turn and a lot of times it is Kathy making these these wrong choices like quote-unquote wrong choices it's moving farther and farther away from what we know to be, or like what we think we know to be the marriage plot which is her and Heathcliff these childhood friends mm-hmm. they've grown up together they as she says like they're made from the same pieces of the universe but they don't end up together and it's because of the little action she takes along the way and so we want her to be better because we know what she's like quote unquote supposed to be doing
1: yeah yeah she's not following the rules of like the love story it's so
0: frustrating yeah
1: yeah (sighs) yeah um half of my book is just me like writing like what the fuck is she doing and why and like because I want her like I want her to be more complex than that yeah um but she actually becomes a little simple um and but I like the positioning of it though right because when you first read like the story at least for me like like you were just so disturbed by Heathcliff that Mm -hmm. you kind of it, it kind of overshadows like Kathy's role in it a little bit. So then the, and so then you kind of, kind of have to read it again and pick through and be like, Oh no. Yeah. Like she was the first one. Right. So then she becomes almost disappointing and not, not in like a, Oh, she disappointed us by making the wrong decision, but she's disappointing in that she's not what she wants to be. She's not what she wants to be. She let herself down right like she broke her own heart which broke Heathcliff's yeah. heart and murdered her and then him and then all of these things yeah so yeah she's
0: interesting I agree that she's a narcissist but I think it also comes down to like her being spoiled
1: yeah I think yeah she spoiled I, I, I...
0: yeah well I kept trying to wrap my mind around the Edgar marriage especially well and I think we also need to mention just kind of like the caveat that this is all told through Nellie who admits Mm -hmm. more than once that she doesn't like Catherine yeah even as she's trying to like stay by her side through like her her like depleting health and everything she has to because she's her lady
1: yeah yes
0: exactly like like she openly admits to not liking her so I try to keep that uh narrator sentiment Mm -hmm. in mind but the conversation that they have after edgar proposes which is like that whole sequence of events also kind of proves how like how selfish she is because at some in some way she had to have manipulated him into an engagement after openly slapping him like openly lying in front of him and then lying about lying like Mm -hmm. that whole kitchen scene is really really like fucked up um, on kathy's part Mm -hmm. but she says that she's like marrying edgar for heathcliff which i would argue is like a lie it's a cop out. yeah exactly exactly like a huge cop out um i think she's just more worried oh this okay this scene really made me think about her as this like un uh unrepentant like emma she's Mm. so worried about her reputation about her place within the community that she's marrying edgar and then using heathcliff as like the justification even though she would much rather like in her heart have heathcliff
1: through her condescension yes, she has to condescend yeah it's condescending yep
0: and she like she openly says that she could never marry heathcliff because of his place It's not like she doesn't allude to it. She doesn't like ignore that subject. She just says it point blank. Like it's like the weather. So she really made me think of like Emma before her transformation. But imagine she never got that transformation. Imagine she just got progressively worse. That's how I felt about Kathy.
1: Yeah. Kathy is Emma gone wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the the spoil, the spoiling that people will do for her Mm -hmm. or do to her really does not help.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I feel like this book in particular can be best organized in scenes Mm -hmm. because a lot of the depth and the um, crux of the story happens in conversations with Nellie, which before we get into the scenes, we, I do want to take a moment and talk about Nellie because she's like, I named my doll after her when I was little. I remember (laughs) I love Nellie and there's not really much we get about her but i just love her like her presence is so felt like mm-hmm. throughout this entire um uh story and it's re- it's a really interesting because she's she's the housekeeper she's essentially the same age as heathcliff and kathy whereabouts um and she grows up with the family And like you said there's that scene in the kitchen there's like this very domestic perspective that you get on like what's going on so you get these intimate conversations that Kathy has with her that Heathcliff has with her that Nellie happens to be in the room while you know they're embracing and things like yeah. that so she's has a really interesting perspective but also isn't impartial to what's going on yeah she has like her like yeah she said several times Kathy's mischievous wayward she's yeah. you know um, she like gets assaulted by her by yeah. Kathy, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and what's interesting is you even see Nelly kind of lean a little bit more towards Heathcliff and like mm-hmm. have sympathies with him and even imagines for Heathcliff, like if you just changed how you thought about yourself, you could change a bit more about uh like how people think about you, which I thought was okay. kind of interesting, and so you can tell she really cared about him and wanted him to succeed but she says like both separate separate times she could not have imagined Heathcliff so violent and she also says she could not have imagined Kathy so selfish so like she she saw their childhood and did not see what was coming yeah <laughs> Um mm-hmm. well I
0: think I think Nellie like the choice of having a servant first of all was a great choice for like for the very reasons Mm -hmm. that you're stating where we get that kind of like that domestic side it really blurs that public and private Mm -hmm. because she'll tell us like what's happening in the public but then or she'll she'll kind of give like the private side to what happened in the public sphere if that makes sense so like You've got Edgar who's falling in love with Kathy. But for like the life of us, we can't really see why. We know he is, but we're seeing the private where Kathy's actually quite terrible. And then you see like the after their father dies, um, and Hinley takes like uh owner, not ownership, but what do you say when his kids he inherits? Thank you. (laughs) Inheritance of kids. Um the the way that like heathcliff's treatment changes so you you know that like to the public it had to have been a very suspicious thing to be going on to have this like this little they they repeatedly call him a gypsy which Mm -hmm. is already a questionable term to begin with um but this kind of like interloper i think is one of the words that nelly uses for him even when she's like admitting that she likes him she calls him this interloper and so we get the like the inside view that private view of what it's like to have that figure and I think that's why she starts to kind of open up to him because she sees even her like her own prejudices which I imagine are being more reflected out in the public sphere the public is much more implied at this point which is kind of like the reverse of things usually like of these kinds of like not gothic but sorry the romantic
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you get a lot more of the public than you do the private and so I like that flip-flop
1: yeah it's um Hindley's treatment of Heathcliff is really the only I feel like the outside because you don't we don't really speak to Hindley much um and then the society that comes with having like the Lintons over and that whole Mm -hmm. scene of like um you know you don't touch me like I'm dirty kind of thing um and then him smashing the thing its super yes. awesome <laughs> well
0: what I also liked and I just kind of this just popped into my brain as well is that when the Lintons first start calling it's always in the kitchens when they show up yes it always goes to the kitchens which is yes. not a public space so they're they're yeah. regularly I made that note too yes when, when we when we first go to Wuthering Heights when it's like Lockwood and he's finally like he's meeting everybody for the first time that's in public spaces but mm-hmm. Nellie's retelling is not and that has one a lot to do with the fact that she's a servant but two why were they in those spaces to begin with
1: yeah yeah a lot of a lot of scenes happen in the kitchen yeah. um, Nellie's kind of an observation and interpretation of the house as well like mm-hmm. Um, she gets really she's really proud when they're they're all decorated for christmas and she talks about like all of the um all of the china and like you know the wreaths and everything smelling good and it's such a cheerful house um and then the lintons come over and they have like a a thing right Mm -hmm. and then later when um she's checking up on isabella she's just like I mean, if a woman lives here, you might as well sweep. Like, she's, just, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's looking at, like, that part of the house, yeah. which represents the happiness of the inhabitants. Like, it's, a, it's just a really cool, like, way of approaching the story. Um, mm-hmm. But to kind of talk about, like, the private and public a little bit more, something that has definitely been commented on as a big theme with this story is the boundaries right which is also a very gothic thing but there doesn't seem to be much going on outside of weathering heights and thrust cross grange um and anything that does happen is incredibly mysterious and we don't really know and just like you know it's like people just kind of walk off into a mist (laughs) like yeah nothing exists it's like a vacuum like no it is yeah it's incredible so like like Isabella goes to London but we don't really know where or why or how and yeah and like Heathcliff goes and comes back like mysteriously like with money we don't know like, how he got his well, fortune or where he was yeah. yeah so it's kind of this like like the world definitely centers around mm-hmm. Wuthering Heights um yeah it's just like it's fascinating um
0: one of my favorite Ways that they kind of emphasize that is when um little Catherine falls over the wall and she can't get back in. Hmm. And, like it was like she lost her hat, I think it was in the garden, and so she tries to like reach up a tree to grab it, and then she comes down, but she comes down on the outside wall, and they like can't get the key to let her back into the garden. And right. I found that really odd because like one Nelly, one hundred percent should have a key, right? Because she's the lady she's like the lady the la- maid thank you lady's maid. <laughs> thank you me um but also like just walk around to the front you know what i mean like but she's like because she's now stepped out kind of like outside mm-hmm. of the bounds of like the house it's just like chaos yeah yeah it's it's like it's confusion she like the normal solution just like oh dang gotta walk to the front now like isn't a real solution for her Right. so kind of like yeah, with that like the almost
1: incarcerative yes, like quality yes. to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um and even though most of the story obviously happens about them, even Lockwood gets that. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, he gets stuck in Wuthering Heights. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 remote. It's um I don't want to say t- it's tumultuous. It's yeah, it's just like not. It's un- unpredictable. Um,
0: like, like the moors themselves trapped him there because of the yeah. snow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Before moving on from Nelly, though, I love mm-hmm. how you know because first upon reading this, you're like, oh, it's their servant. Like she doesn't have, you know, you kind of come with your own like pre, yeah, determined idea of what that is. Um, especially another piece of this is it's in Yorkshire. It's in the Moors, which in the 19th century was this like really remote, like it's not London. So yeah, those they're all vagrants, you know, like kind of yeah. mentality, which is why when Lockwood comes in, he's from the South and he's just doesn't understand what's going on. <laughs> like, and that's yeah. why Nellie's telling him this tale and he's just completely beguiled by it. Um, that's why
0: Isabella marries two of her cousins
1: yeah exactly everyone's everyone's marrying each other yeah Yeah. it's like the the boonies um (laughs) yeah I love she tells Lockwood um I think it's around the time when he sits her down to like tell him more gossip as like they put it I think jokingly um But there's, there's something reserved about her that you believe like she's not a gossip. Um, And I like, she kind of gives a bit of a, like, she may not be educated or traveled, but she presents herself. She says, I certainly esteem myself a steady, reasonable kind of body. Not exactly from living among the hills and seeing one set of faces and one set series of actions from year's end to year's end, but I have undergone sharp discipline, which has taught me wisdom. And then I have read more than you would fancy, Mr. Lockwood. And I kind of like that she gets, like, a little bit of, like, a chance to, like, plead that she's, like, not superstitious because Mm -hmm. you'll find throughout the book that she starts getting freaked out by, like, Heathcliff, by, like, Kathy, by their interactions. But, like, you know that, like, just because we're remote doesn't mean like i'm sitting here like waiting for ghosts to come around every corner like that's not how this story started (laughs) like which i kind of appreciated
0: and i think she was basically raised with them Mm -hmm. and they had good educations yeah so it could be assumed easily that she also had a good education
1: yeah yeah, I mean she she learned to read and yeah. She um she knew her numbers. She was teaching Harriton before he left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she was probably she was definitely educated. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh I like so I wanted to kind of go through like that scene with Kathy her and Kathy because it her I call it Kathy's confession. Um because it is like has some beautiful language in it.
0: <laughs> it does. It does here I'll get my book movie,
1: even though it's um, Kathy
0: yes <laughs> what copy do you have um naturally I have the Norton critical yes edition. of course you do <laughs> it I is the Penguin. fourth edition nice, nice nice this one has the uh reviews essays yada yada it's got some Bronte poems as well
1: nice, nice. yeah
0: okay what chapter and like
1: I think it's volume one chapter nine Okay. It's around the 70s, usually. um What I find interesting is, and this is why I struggle so much with Kathy, as we all do, mm-hmm. is because Nellie, as much as she says, you know, Kathy's screams are, or Kathy's cries are louder than everyone else's, like she's just a dramatic little b- shit, right? <laughs> yeah. And then she has these these moments where she's incredibly human Mm -hmm. um and what does she say um catherine had an unusual gloom in her aspect that made me dread something from which i might shape a prophecy and foresee a fearful catastrophe so this is where like you start to break down like the okay this isn't just she's not just squealing because she's upset like there's something really mountainous happening under you know underneath it all um which i like because then it makes the gravity of what's happening obviously more i mean there's just so many good parts but i've i've reread them so many times i could i have commit them to memory almost <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I love I love the of course it's a famous one I've dreamt in my life dreams that have stayed with me ever after and changed my ideas they've gone through and through me like wine through water and altered the color of my mind and this one I'm going to tell it but take care not to smile at any part of it is gorgeous and that's where like the the poetry just really comes through I feel like yeah but it this is the first like real bit real like scene that we have that really drives home the connection that her and Heathcliff have. Yeah. Obviously we know that they spend a lot of time in the moors, obviously. Oh yeah, they're pretty close, but this is like a little too close. Like Yeah. The
0: Yeah. Well, especially because like it's never fully clarified if they're related because it is heavily implied that he could be like a bastard of his of their of kathy's father
1: Mm, i've I've never heard that
0: interesting i i mean i have obviously Mm -hmm. and i've never been able to like decide one way or the other whether or not i agree i don't think it necessarily Mm -hmm. changes my reading of their love story because it is such, like, a fraught one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Es- especially, especially after this, like, the confessional scene where it's, like, both of y'all need just just to move on. He yeah. spends three years plotting revenge, and she leaves him. She betrays him. Like, it's not a healthy thing. It's, like, you wouldn't want people on jersey store to, like, actually stay together. <laughs> because that, it's yeah. so, like because it's so dramatic it's always the theatrics like that's not what love is they see this yeah. like intense the like the bonding that they get under more more specifically like under hindley's uh rule tyranny as some kind of like truer passion when in reality it's not healthy
1: no yeah it's definitely obsession yeah And there's, there's a bit of the, throughout the book, in Heathcliff and Kathy's speech about one another, this blurring of one from the other.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, You have in this scene, my great miseries in this world have been Heathcliff's miseries. You know, whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same. Like there's this very much this like lack of boundary between where one begins and it's indistinguishable. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, And I love in, obviously in a lot of other scenes too, they talk about, you know, in killing yourself have murdered me. Like, yeah. Um, I love my murderer, but, but yours, I cannot like, so it's like this weird like the where there's almost four of them sometimes because yeah. yeah because there's the one that fucked up and then there's the one that they love and then the murderer that fucked up so there's the murderer and then the one that they love and it's just they
0: they yeah. both like acknowledge the real one and then the one that they've got on a pedestal but they refuse to reconcile the fact that like the pedestal isn't real and yeah that's not to say I don't love this story I absolutely love this story because it is so human that like that codependence with them mm-hmm. is so relatable that need to find solace in a person like that to that level like we all want to find somebody that even though it's not healthy that we can like lose those boundaries with the temptation and mm-hmm. that kind of like connection is overwhelming
1: yeah i mean that's why we're still
0: reading it two centuries yeah, later
1: i i agree i think like we I think we're a bit we romanticize it a bit this this obsession right the dark the soul our souls are fused together um you know I I can't live without my life I can't live without my soul this Mm -hmm. feeling of being so fused with the other is is super romantic but it's killing them like yeah it's this is not love this is not a fanciful love story at yeah, all Yeah, no not at all
0: like, yeah it's not a love story but it is romantic yeah if that makes sense yeah
1: yeah in fact they don't say love very often no. no i i was like reading it and i was like i don't think they've said they loved each other yet um yeah, like no. she says she literally this scene is just like this big long speech about how she loves him but she doesn't say it mm-hmm. <laughs> um i think a little later they can't say love- it but
0: what is like a part of you, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's not part of the language of what's actually going on, right? Like yeah. when she's forming these words, it's coming from like right the necessity of the rocks beneath. You know? Yep. Um
0: yeah. And that's also why of, like yeah well like why they keep going back to each other too is they come from a household where that conflict was huge. Not to get like all psychological about it but like they're repeating those same unhealthy coping mechanisms unhealthy relational Mm -hmm. dynamics with each other they each marry one of the lintons and what happens these people are actually like relatively healthy and they don't do those things and And then they they corrupt them (laughs) yeah exactly they return to each other again and again trying to do this trying to like recreate that conflict that excitement Mm -hmm. and then like All of them die as a result. Yeah. Heathcliff granted years and years later, but it's still like, it's the loss of that fight that seems to kind of like drive out his life force.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes me think of something, but I don't want to like skip that far ahead. Like yet
0: do it, do it. Okay.
1: I, this time around reading, I was very much like taken with the second generation more than before. It, it The book does lull a bit like after yeah. like Kathy dies you're like okay the stars of the show are like now like yeah. gone yeah and now what like and so but it, it picks up. so calm. I
0: know. <laughs> yeah. There's no theatrics. Where's the drama? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I really enjoyed Harriton and Kathy together. Yeah. And I couldn't help but um I was like I don't know if I was just horny or like <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> but I was Continue. like
1: I think the way in which it was written like you could tell like there was definitely like it felt kind of like a romance in that way yeah for like she she's clear she clearly describes Harriton as being like attractive and like mm-hmm. Catherine as being like sought after even lockwood's like i lo- i fell in love with her like okay buddy
0: like it's
1: <laughs> like you saw like, you her like twice the story <laughs> i know were you not here were we not
0: hearing the same thing here yeah
1: Too <laughs> you know and it was clear that like she was trying to build them up into like this like romance like into, like, this romantic relationship that was actually healthy and going in a good place. Yeah. Not out of necessity, right? But out of love. And what love looks like is different. And it's almost like the more their relationship grows, Harriton and Catherine, like, the more they are getting along, the more it, like, disassembles his, like, revenge, Mm -hmm. his vengefulness. And it replaced this, like, really, like, angry, horrific, like, part of the house that has been there for so long. Like, they replace it with love. Like, Catherine yeah. literally just comes in and is just like, um, what does she say? She says, she says, you're miserable. And that's why you're so terrible. And, you know, I, I forgive that fact. And that's, and I love how, like, how much she just like stands up to him like she's not yeah. afraid of him anymore and I just yeah. love that because he's like you know he's kind of wilting a bit. yes yes he's getting very he's getting work. more and more like pale like he's just like not yeah. <laughs> there anymore um but like I love that so so Harriton his inability to read write is like the degradation mm-hmm. It's the same theme, but she deals with it so much differently. Yeah. She teases him about it, but not because she wishes he could read, but because she wants to get his attention. Like,
0: Yeah. And, and then once so she cute. realizes that, like, it's actually hurting him. She's like, oh, sorry. Let me actually just teach you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And they have yeah. this, like, cute where. She's know. Just, like, Little with- meet cute. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, because, like, up until that point. I mean, we find out that when she had first moved into uh, to Wuthering Heights, all of the servants, everyone in the house had been ordered to be mean to her mm-hmm. because that was supposed to be like another act of like revenge against them was to also take revenge right. against the kids. So Harriton is not allowed to like learn. He's not, he has to like work for his keep there. Technically, is Isab- uh, not Isabella, um, Catherine was supposed to as well, but she doesn't really. She kind of just, she talks about, like, learning witchcraft and stuff to piss off Joseph, but that's about it. She just sits in the corner reading the same book over and over. But, like, that moment when he kind of admits that it's pissing him off is when they actually have their meet cute. Because, like, they actually meet each other for the first time as people, Mm -hmm. not as, like, these two people subjected to Mm -hmm. Heathcliff's revenge that they have no reason to be getting.
1: Well, yeah, cuz she hate she hates him because she yeah. thinks he's like in on it. And then there's the moment where he's he like I did not take part. And mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh." And then in yeah, and then they have their like little moment. It's really sweet.
0: Yeah, it is cute. Also because like she married Linton.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. That that's so sad. It that is. That whole thing. Like he he was a little cruel bastard but i understand why you know like he was being used so bad like that scene when they're like down like when they're supposed to like meet halfway and they're like Mm -hmm. down on the hill like below the hill and he's just like convulsing and like crying and like (laughs) he's like coughing and like he can't they're like you are you okay (laughs) like you should be in bed
0: (laughs) he's like my health is improving and they leave (laughs) and they're like like I don't know, I don't know if really we should trust him. Which is <laughs> He's fair. just a ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, I do I mean we laughed the- but I was
1: I was genuinely disturbed. Like oh, I was just like yeah, this is, is hard to read.
0: <laughs> it is very disturbing um kind of thinking about like lineage. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost it's really it's questionable because Heathcliff is described as being this like broad he's like strong he incites fear in Edgar very easily um but Linton is like very very weak Mm -hmm. not to say that like he's not Heathcliff's son but that like what you have is like the interloper procreating with somebody who's like actually English, actually from their, from yeah. Yorkshire, from like their region and creating something that's like not tenable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you've got little Catherine and Harriton who are both from English, fully English people. Because even mm. like Heathcliff arrived and he didn't even speak English. Yeah. So we know he's from somewhere else or he's from some other people. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of, like, yikes, but, like, don't intermingle, kind of, like, don't bring in this other, mm-hmm. this otherness, mm-hmm. because it doesn't do well to mix the bloods like that.
1: Well, what I find interesting is that Harriton becomes the most, like, Heathcliff. Yeah. Like, and there's the scene after the f- someone's funeral. I don't know. Someone died. Um, One of the funerals. <laughs> um, Edgar, I think or okay. i don't yeah and he says you're mine now let's see how like crooked the tree grows or whatever like oh, that yeah. like yeah he oh, he oh, literally says hinley? oh yeah hinley dies yes thank you yeah. um and he and to harriton he says you're mine now and then harriton becomes like like heathcliff becomes a father to him and he yeah. actually grieves his loss and loves him um mm-hmm. and well cuz linton the beginning too
0: sorry go ahead mm-hmm. no go ahead well i was just gonna say from like their first introduction heathcliff wasn't mean to him he like wanted Hindley to see Harrington like him more
1: right yeah and so
0: he teaches Harrington to like cuss his dad he teaches him bad words he like creates yeah. a little menace he
1: yeah he creates a brute out of him
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um there's this really interesting quote which i was like that's interesting where Heathcliff is talking to Nelly, of course about Linton and Harriton and when he speaks of them like it's hard to tell who he's talking about because mm-hmm. he doesn't say their names but he says mine is this yeah. and he's and then you realize he's talking about Harriton and then he says that one which is Linton yeah. which is actually his so there's this interesting like he definitely feels ownership over Harrington as like his son, maybe not his heir because obviously he can't be. But mm-hmm. even though he is, he is the heir of Wuthering Heights. Harrington is,
0: yeah. Um, but, but I think that's only because the others died first.
1: Yeah, like Hindley, he was Hindley's son, and so yeah, Hindley. Um, he inherited it from Hindley, and well,
0: no, because. Uh, heathcliff got it because of the gambling debts right and so i think heriton still is just because linton died
1: mm-hmm. right
0: and because he also married his cousin be like the next so all, bo- both yeah. possible heirs are married now so i think at that point it's just like heriton yeah. by default because yeah. women aren't allowed their own property
1: no even though isabella edgar put isabella in his will and that's how he got oh, yeah. thrust cross Grange, which was interesting. Yep. But that that was a special uh, instance. Yeah, yeah. And so he, you know, Heathcliff sees Harrington as his like his son, real. Yeah, his like real son. It's interesting. Um, another, I thought Isabella was really kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Like the way the way in which, um, we got to see like a female perspective of abuse, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um and the way she like stood up like for herself. I I kind of admired her a lot.
0: I which felt I didn't bad in the first reading. like the obvious she gets pulled into Kathy and Heathcliff's games just by the mm-hmm. like the simple fact that she's Edgar's sister. hmm It, it could have been any other pair of siblings in their county. Yeah. But because it was them. She's the one who gets stuck with the shithole that is uh Weathering Heights as like Hindley and Heathcliff are having their like pissing contests, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there was still a part of me because like I'm I'm gonna keep bringing in some of the Austin stuff because it yep. does feel like a dark Austin novel. Um you know, in uh Pride and Prejudice I can't remember the sister's name but the sister who like runs off with the soldier
1: Lizzie no uh, Lydia or Kitty I think think it's Kitty
0: yeah I think it's Kitty who runs off and then the soldier is like trying to do a ransom and then instead has to marry her and I mean he kind of loses that one because she's like the worst and I'm not like I want to clarify I'm not like blaming Isabella for what happened to her but like when it first all happened I was like girl you're
1: dumb well you could definitely like at least the film adaptation kind of takes a little liberty because we don't really get a lot of her like yeah falling yeah. in love with Heathcliff but it's like you can tell oh this like dark handsome rich guy just kind of yeah. strolls into town and like like we said like this is like such a small community that yeah. like any new blood you're like ooh like otherwise who who's she gonna marry hinley, like
0: <laughs> yeah you know well um we don't get a lot of her point of view which is only with like the
1: abuse inside of weathering heights actually yeah she's actually one of the few people we do get a point of view but it's not really about like much else
0: Yeah. yeah but like with the falling in love because it seems to be obvious to everyone else that heathcliff and kathy are like intertwined yeah in some way and so it's i i hate to say but like i also pity her because Mm -hmm. she didn't see that and it's gotta be kathy
1: tried to tell her yeah kathy was like he's wolf like don't don't try but she was just like insistent that
0: sounds like a challenge too i know like a teenager
1: Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like a no that
0: sounds like a (laughs) I can fix him like yeah where to next
1: where to next am i running a show um yeah thought... this is your favorite book i know um the other um scene would be kathy's madness mm. mm-hmm. when they edgar and Heathcliff have a row and she makes herself sick yeah and yeah this is like okay but she she descends to this point of madness where she can't recognize herself and i think this is where they become four different people right yeah i would say there's like a duology in them because she's no longer the child there's definitely this like emphasis on hearkening back to childhood with heathcliff um where now she's like she doesn't recognize herself um and there's that you know that really um, overused quote. I wish I were a girl again, half savage, hearty, and free. And she's like, "Now I cry at the slightest thing. Like, why am I so changed? Um, because you married Linton. Um, <laughs> yeah. You bitch. Also <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then when Heath Heathcliff comes and sees her before she dies." the uh, the fact that he doesn't even recognize her pregnancy is definitely an indication that he always sees her kind of in that child's like like yeah. they're always kind of going back to that doesn't even um see her as like a woman there's even a part she says that you're not my heathcliff like <laughs> because he's yeah. sitting there like saying why did you do this and then she's like i want the other heathcliff where's he like
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: and it's just like yeah it's just crazy and she does that too where she like when she um looks out into the moors and imagines weathering the heights and she kind of has this like episode or reverie and asks I just love that part that part's so cool um where she literally asks him to come like will you venture you always followed me and he's she says he's considering like they're like talking there's definitely like i like to think this book and this is where the romance this is where it becomes a little less gothic and a little bit more romantic in the sense that there is this kind of um spiritual i wouldn't even say i wouldn't say supernatural because Mm -hmm. even supernatural implies an order (laughs) Yeah. Of sorts, yeah. but the spiritual aspect of it that exists like in a vacuum, right? Like mm-hmm. between Kathy and Heathcliff that um I almost I almost want to believe that he was answering her. Like,
0: kind of yeah. like- well it also like <laughs> it mirrors the scene when Lockwood has his nightmare. Mm -hmm. And then after he leaves the room and Heathcliff is yelling out the window for her. Yeah. Like, it almost felt like that was the call and response. Those two events.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because it's another time when he's, like, begging her to haunt him. Yeah. Not just, like, his, like, a specter of his mind, but, like, her. Specifically, like, her actual ghost. He's, like, he wants her there. Yeah. He's like jealous that Lockwood got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like, I've been summoning her for years.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's what like, where the fuck was she when I was calling? You yeah. didn't even ask for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, the scene, so the 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 scene when he shows up, I do agree with that. Like that duology between them, within them, and like of them, mm. is that like it's almost that. They're allowing their poor behavior because they, like, themselves have split. They seem almost, like, not just when she's in her madness and she's asking for, like, the other Heathcliff, but just generally. They seem, like, genuinely conscious of this split. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have to act respectfully because this other one of them is. Which bringing it back to the private and the public again, briefly, is that you could argue that. So, like, she's got the child, the childlike version of herself that he sees, um, and the other Heathcliff that she wants to see, but these other ones are their public faces. Mm hmm. Because that's how she got Edgar to fall in love with her. She plays this very like docile, uh, childlike woman. He proposes, even after she has out an out like a outlash, because she donned that happy childlike face again, and convinced mm-hmm. him that it wasn't the real thing. This is real. Yeah. And so I think that's just like this kind of underlying implication. That Bronte has throughout as well because Nelly is also like again we're getting this mostly or like all from Nelly. Nellie is retelling mm-hmm. and as a servant she is hyper aware of the private and the, the public
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so yes. she even as she's telling like relatively decent exchanges between them and other people she's adding the I didn't particularly like him at this point mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z which are private things, which are things that they're letting themselves reveal to one another. That's why I think they see themselves as kind of like fused souls, fused beings, because their version of the private, where they're like real people, is so ingrained as like each other. Because they developed those like private personalities Yeah, like that uh,
1: childhood when they would be out in the moors together just on their own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I think that's another reason why it's like that codependency is because like their identity was shaped as Mm -hmm. one. It wasn't just shaped like side by side, like siblings normally. Like Hindley doesn't have this problem because he wasn't shaping his identity with another person that like that lack of boundaries. Well, and it
1: it, it is kind of interesting because you have like the... Heathcliff is the other.
0: Mhm.
1: And then Catherine is this woman who's not going to inherit. Yeah. They're both kind of lost. And they definitely yeah, find each other and develop like mm-hmm. their identities in this almost kind of mystical space where yeah. they they spend hours and they don't come back till late just spending in the moors together. And that we don't see actually, yeah. which is interesting um and so when they come come back we just see the effects of decision making
0: yeah (laughs) that Nellie gets to glean (laughs) she's like I don't know they conspire for several hours a day and then they come home and And then they do stupid shit yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly yeah again it's it's one of those things where it's like as much as you can like firmly firmly realize how bad it is you still can't help but be kind of like jealous of that connection yes which probably doesn't seem that healthy but like that's what that's what you're supposed to feel that question about whether whether or not it's good or bad
1: yeah and and there's this it seems to be there's this theme of is this right or wrong yeah um the uh she asked Nellie was this right to do yeah and Heathcliff there is that scene in the kitchen with (laughs) which one (laughs) there's that scene in the kitchen um with Isabella and they're talking about I can't remember exactly what's going on but (laughs) there's this I there's this conversation about if the the havoc that Heathcliff will re break on his enemies. She has no problem with what he's doing. She will feel sympathy for the people being wronged. Like she'll be like that's wrong, but not but anything Heathcliff does is right. Yeah. Right? Like there's it's really interesting. Um unless it's done to each other. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh so it's there's definitely like like that theme of like right and wrong like cuz it's based off of necessity right she even says that and so there's not much room for interpretation about where they where their like souls loyalties lie regardless of their actions like they we all know like the stream the crux of like what's going on here is that they need to be together yeah um and that's right and so yeah this this idea of like what's good or bad is very is very complicated for us the reader because it's based off of this this place that doesn't exist right yeah. it's it's kind of this like far reaching and surmountable like place to have someone's soul fused to you um, yeah. which is romantic in jest but it's not it's not actually like applicable to like yeah us right it's definitely romanticized i found i found it to be like it's such an extreme book
0: every element of it is extreme though exactly the relationships the weather the responses that lockwood is having from top to bottom the book is extreme i do however think we could briefly look at Kathy from a Wollstonecraft point of view. Since we did have an episode on Wollstonecraft, as much as Kathy is not presented as a likable character, and I don't think she's supposed to be at all. Like, I think she's written exactly how it's intended. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Wollstonecraft, and so we did talk about this in the Wollstonecraft episode. One of the biggest... Qualms that Wollstonecraft has with the treatment of women is that they are not given the choices, like proper choices in life, genuine proper choices, number of choices in life, in order to like choose their own path. And so, like you keep saying, this this necessity that they talk about. Yes, I don't agree with Catherine, Kathy marrying Edgar, but I also understand that it was for somebody who comes from like a family of her standing a necessary marriage Mm. she had to have a home she had to have food a husband who could provide for her she doesn't have any actual skills because she's been generally lazy she goes out into the moors all day and spends hours with heathcliff like they don't do anything and so while i don't I, i would say that like Kathy is a good example of why you have to provide women with more options because as she keeps making these choices and like as readers who are expecting a romance or who like our our brains are kind of seeing a romance and getting angry when it doesn't happen I wouldn't even say that she's often given like the right choice in life It's very rarely an option for her. Mm -hmm. And so she is like wholeheartedly a product of her environment and of her circumstances. And those circumstances have allowed her to become this very, very kind of vile person. And it's not entirely her fault. Like if she's given two shit options, you got to go with the less smelly shit. And it just kind of seems to be that over and over again. Until like 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 I said, until she's just this kind of vile person. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting.
1: Um I think I think there I think even Bronte's like playing with that a little bit of almost in kind of a inverted way of you know, Nellie asks her, like, why, why Linton? Like, why did you say yes? Like, why do you love him? How do you love him? Mm -hmm. Um and she says, I'll be the most you know powerful women of the neighborhood and
0: yeah you know
1: it's like this is what choice is that's yep. the ultimate path right yep but there's something just like keeping her from feeling that it's right you know Nellie says what's the obstacle and she says here and here like I can't like every part of me tells me that it's wrong um and so and that's like, because
0: it is yeah you know? yeah yeah like she's right like and that's that's kind of what i mean is she shouldn't have had to have chosen just for power but she's choosing for power because she also on some level that we don't get to see because it's from nelly's point of view and she's dead by this point she recognizes that she has a severe lack of power and it's probably been reinforced by like Mm -hmm. Hinley's treatment of them yes um and his wife's uh like crooning, mm. she gets back from the five weeks at Thrush. Was it
1: Thrush Thrush Cross Grange?
0: Thank you. I know that it's was one of the ones. Causter. You know when you like
1: Thrush Cross Grange. Thrust- like I want to say scold- Thrush Cross.
0: Thrust. but I, I think, think it, it is Thrush Cross.
1: Okay, Thrush Cross Grange.
0: It was one of the ones that like I just kind of as I would read every time my brain would be like suocth-
1: Thrush Grange. Thrust- <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: I feel ya. <laughs> I feel
0: ya. Um and it because even in my head it's a bit of a tongue twister, it's bad. Um so she gets back from those five weeks and immediately because they've been like conspiring on how to keep Heathcliff and her apart. And so the best way that they decide is for Hindley's wife, whose name I cannot remember, to like Francis, spoil I think, yeah. her. Yeah. For as long as possible to keep them apart, which is also kind of like undermining her her agency in one, like, mm, mm-hmm. keeping her away from Heathcliff, like, trying to manipulate her into these new things, into this new, like, lifestyle. But also um, that the Wollstonecraft, Wollstonecraft quote when she says, forgive me, fellow women, if I decide not to treat you like an idiot. Yeah. And I I don't remember the actual wording is much yeah, more it's, graceful it's, the way she it's said essentially it.
1: Essentially that, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's essentially that where she's like, I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat you like a child. And that's what Hindley's mm-hmm. wife does. Yeah. And so she is, again, like kind of in an, inver- like she's showing the like what not to do version yeah. of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I keep I keep pulling blanks because it's almost No, 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 you're good. It reminds me of like the Wollstonecraft episode where I'm like, there's so much and exactly, I don't know where exactly. any of it is in my head because there's just so much going on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that we didn't talk about Heathcliff a lot. Um, I actually didn't write a lot of notes about him because Same. I was like, everyone knows his story, yeah. you know?
0: The main notes that I wrote about him are mostly the way that nelly presents him at first mm-hmm. when she like doesn't like him when he's this interloper that she is trying to like have bad feelings for because a lot of her language and the thing is like it's not even necessarily about heathcliff the stuff that i wrote about heathcliff it's just like the way Nellie talks about heathcliff really shows the like weight of decorum i don't even know if that's the right word but kind of like manners expectations loosely tied to like you were saying like this right and wrong because there is one line where she talks about how their father slowly started to trust heathcliff more and Mm -hmm. she's like he wouldn't even trust his own son and then in like parentheses she's like to be fair i guess heathcliff was honest most of the time but she says it as though like that's not reason enough to trust heathcliff he should still trust his own son over Heathcliff even though his son is the one that's lying. Yeah. And so this kind of like expectation of Heathcliff being less than.
1: Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. assumed. Like he's just like yeah. this outsider. And so yeah. no one's so going to trust be him. Worse. Yeah. 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 I, I would say decorum is a good word for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just kind of like the expectations of like relations within the house was really odd mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when Heathcliff first shows up because of expecting him to be treated like shit and then getting like super angry when he's not
1: yeah yeah and then I think uh it kind of works too that when he when Heathcliff takes Harriton as his own you know because uh Mr. Earnshaw like showed him that like you can Mm -hmm. take other blood as your own
0: yeah I think it's cool until he like starts acting as revenge, still yeah. like he he eventually he eventually gives up on that and he's happy for them falling in love or whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But okay, so that was so the reason that was something that I wrote notes on, kind of outside of Heathcliff as well, is because the very beginning I forgot how like annoying Lockwood was at first. Yeah, I think his first line, his first line is like, hmm. A perfect mice and heaven and Mr. Heathcliff and I are such a suitable pair to divide the desolation between us. I'm like, no, not how that works. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he, the night that he gets stuck at Wuthering Heights, he gets stuck there because he had told Heathcliff he was gonna come back, even though Heathcliff continually said, Please don't. He literally he was like He's not He told listening me not to. People. to. Yeah. He's not
1: listening to like the warnings. They're like, what? You're just going to like, you just walked here? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you not see the weather outside? Good for you. Well, they look fine. And you, you can back. tell like
1: they don't take kindly to like <laughs> yeah. outsiders. They're like, get the fuck yes. out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's just, he doesn't see that they don't trust him because he's an outsider. And he thinks yeah. that like he has to do this because it's his word. And he's like, I promise I'd come back. Yeah. And then like the people around him, well, like, when he's at Weathering Heights, like, the dogs attack him. Uh, Catherine is kind of acting like, kind of like a bitch, which is fair, yeah. because he waltzes into your house. All, like, the sun's already going down. There's a storm outside that's brewing. He's gonna get stuck here, and Heathcliff is probably gonna take it out on her in some way. Harrington's just, like, glaring at him from the corner of the room, which I love that image as well. Like, this little, like, mini brooder. But he just thinks that they're going to automatically have a room set up for him. He thinks that, oh, well, you can just spare, like, one of your servants to take me. He's like, I can't do that. Why would you think I could do that? And so this kind of, like, interplay of, like, expectations from other people, like, like, manner expectations was really fun. Yeah. Mostly because, like, Lockwood gets the, the shit, the shit end of that one.
1: Yeah. Like, there's definitely, like, like the whole Yorkshire, like, Southerner, like, aspect of it but even us who may like not know like the implications of that can tell like he's not yeah. from around there like and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if anything it's the house like it's mm-hmm. it's the the house itself and which is we, like a character we yeah. soon to become known why is like the mm-hmm. way that it is and
0: um i don't know about your coffee but mine every time joseph spoke had to have <laughs> a uh footnote
1: interpretation oh cool yeah. that's good
0: does yours have those no oh god i'm so sorry yeah i don't so i don't know the, what he says
1: half the time
0: the first few times i tried to read what he was saying like i tried to read his words and then i was like i can't i can't do this yeah and so and every time after that i was like yeah, i gotta go underneath
1: so what's interesting is when emily got this published this yours is probably too there's two versions of -hmm. this book yeah the second one is heavily edited by her sister charlotte after emily died and of course now like modern scholars are like usually go for like the first edition because it's the original um the manuscript no longer exists she burned it or something it's weird um (sighs) yeah shitty i mean her sisters both her sisters died and she was grieving so um but she writes this letter to the ether uh, the publisher you know the the literary world because weathering heights got like such a shitty um reception i won't say that it didn't get an entirely shitty reception but it was definitely mi- not understood the way that it is now um yeah. it wasn't until about the 20th century that it became actually like oh wow this is like actually a masterpiece and uh Charlotte kind of threw Emily under the bus a little bit saying like oh like we weren't very educated and we're from this like remote place and we just like yeah it just kind of shitty um that was one of the things she edited was like Joseph's language but I'm kind of glad that they kept it because yeah I'm I'm glad it is the way that it is because it's supposed to be like yeah that you know like it was supposed to kind of have this well in foreign, almost Yorkshire like yeah. um you know where everyone everyone in the room could understand him but you um
0: yeah <laughs> I did just look it up so I've got the 1940s or the 1847 version so I've got her oh, yeah. I've got Emily's actual version
1: yeah yeah she um she said uh a lot of people were disturbed by Heathcliff like who could write a character like that and so she was trying to save like her reputation, essentially, which you can't shun her for that. Yeah. But um still like now when you're like looking at it like we are as like, oh my gosh, it's like such an amazing, like crazy story um for someone to like undermine. But I think the intention was good. But yeah, I I I love there's I love the story of the the three Bronte's. Because they didn't live quite remote. They lived pretty remote, but they still, like, had the train come through, like, yeah. and they traveled a little bit and were edu- they were educated. Their, their father was from Ireland, was super poor, and was able to, like, rise kind of to become, like, a curate. They had, like, nine children and not, and, like, half of them died. Um, they, their mother died when she was, like, really young um like six or something, I can't remember. So there was just a lot of death in their family. Um, and actually that they died, um Emily and Anne died of the same thing, which is like consumption or TB, because yeah. the water came down from the mountain through the grave <laughs> graves. And that's why everyone
0: died. Yep. Um that sounds about right.
1: But uh Branwell was the only boy and he, um, he got to go to school and he got to, you know, become really highly educated, um, and was an artist, a novelist, all of these things. Um, but he became an alcoholic and died of alcoholism. Um, and so Anne's book, um, the tenant of Wildfell Hall is actually like a really interesting book about, um, alcoholism has like alcoholism in it. Um, but uh they had to they started writing because they needed to make money because their father was going blind and so it was crazy but anyways they published anonymously under pen names uh, Charlotte was the most ambitious she's the one that like but what I love about Emily was that she wasn't ambitious and in fact yeah I, you, we can credit Charlotte a lot for the fact that we have Wuthering Heights in our hands right now, um, because she really didn't want to be published. Um, she definitely didn't want her poetry to be published, but she like convinced her to. So like, she was a very private person and she was a very domestic person. She loved to be in the like kitchen. She loved to be in the house. Um, she had a really, um, visceral relationship with her dog they would go on long hikes on the moors like she was just like this really like cool homebody that had like this like wild imagination and she's probably one of my favorite poets just because she just has like such a strong language like sense of language um kind of along the same lines as like Murray Wollstonecraft like okay. those like really like intense yeah so I just I just really like her I support and I'm glad and I'm glad that we have Weathering
0: Heights it's a kind of a sad story but
1: it is her death it's not
0: so the the I I love that she ends on this technical high note of like Harriton and Mm -hmm. Catherine falling in love Mm -hmm. because it almost feels like on the one hand this redemption of Heathcliff and Kathy's love yes because the issue wasn't that, like, I mean, the issue was kind of, like, the issue wasn't entirely that they were bad for each other. It was that they, they couldn't find a way to make it work because society wouldn't let them until it was too late and they couldn't do it anymore. Because they were both married. They both, like, built these separate kind of, like, fuck you lives with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the way their relationships were and felt, yeah. But it's almost that like we talked about. Like Heathcliff loses some of his fire; he loses some of that like life force mm-hmm. as the drive for revenge leaves him. But at the same time that that's happening, is like Harrington and Catherine are falling in love. So it's not just that the drive for revenge is leaving him, but that he's like seeing it's getting
1: replaced. Yeah, exactly. It's getting driven exactly. out.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's getting driven out by love. And so even though it's, like, sad because we never get the the release of him and Catherine, him and Kathy actually being together in life, like, spending a life together, we still get the positive of Harrington and Kathy hopefully building something better.
1: Yeah, it's like a, it's a happy ending.
0: Yeah, oddly.
1: Yeah, whereas, like, not, I, like, comparing it to Frankenstein is silly, but it. I, I don't know about other gothic novels, but you know, like horror. Not many is of them like, end
0: on a good note. <laughs> yeah, like
1: the whole point of horror is that it's kind of like this
0: loop, right? Like, yeah.
1: The ghost, the demon is still there. It didn't go anywhere. Nothing got exterminated, yeah. extinguished. Like,
0: yeah, even if like they defeat it, it's like, okay, so it'll come back in a 100 years. What happens in 100 years? Yeah, it's like
1: years? the Darkling. You're like, God. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just another gothic element of. Yes. King of Scars, the Bardugo, that whole yes. what is it? uh The, the Grisha verse. Yes, but yeah, it does end on a on, on oddly positive note, which I love. Yeah, because it also it it's positive, but it doesn't feel cathartic.
1: No, it doesn't feel sappy. In fact, it feels just it just feels real.
0: Well, cathartic. Like I mean, like it Earth. doesn't feel complete. Like it doesn't feel like a completion. mm Hmm. It's it still leaves you wanting more. It still leaves yeah. like an open-ended kind of question. Yeah. Of like Heathcliff and Catherine. Cause you know, yeah. like they they you even get the like people talk about seeing his ghost side by side with another in the moors, which is possible because that's the, the spiritual, like you were saying that spiritual element that's present at at Wuthering Heights.
1: Yeah. So. Yes.
0: It's still like it's still this specter that the world just moves on though.
1: Yes, yes. At weather, yeah, weathering heights moves on. Yeah, it was just a dark moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, weirdly.
1: And it's weird because it does start when Heathcliff enters, it's almost mm-hmm. like he brought it.
0: Yeah, because he's the other.
1: Yeah, but Kathy caused it, right? Like it's
0: yeah, like Fucking Kathy. expectations of women in a patriarchal society caused kathy to cause it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was it was good it was good it was also nice to talk about it this is one of the things i've loved about going over some of these classics is like just talking about it with a friend and not with like a class and trying to be like the smartest person in the room
1: yes i i kind of followed suit with this book and obsessed over it a bit because I can't help it.
0: <laughs> that's fine. I, that's fair. I listened
1: to like a couple podcasts. I like watched the movie. I, I was just like twice. so excited. You what? Didn't
0: you didn't you watch it like twice? No. I just oh, okay. watched it once. Okay.
1: I was going to watch it that night and then something happened and then I watched it the next night or something. But
0: gotcha, gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: I in fact that's actually how I fell in love with the story. I am not, I read the book first kind of person in this instance, unfortunately. That's fair. Sorry, but I, my dad and I have like this huge, like bonding moment. And I was like chatting with him on Messenger about it, about how we love the 1992 version Mm -hmm. where Ralph Fiennes plays Heathcliff. So before he was Voldemort, he was Heathcliff for me, which fits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It made it work fine. Um, but he was also in, like, that was, like, the height of his, like, attractiveness. I wouldn't say he's, like, a heartthrob, but they definitely played that that card in in this Wuthering Heights film, because there's, like, the Fabio, like, entrance where his hair's, like, long and his, like, big billowing shirt's, like, open. It's oh, just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Like, they were definitely trying to make him, like, I mean,
0: yeah. They were, they were leaning into what we all want from Heathcliff.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's why this time around when I watched the film, I was very much like, hmm, there's like a lot of, like, I haven't seen the, what is it? The 1940s, like classic film version, which is what everyone kind of builds off of this because that's kind of what made it a pop culture, like, um, story, of like you know the, the what is it, the ripping box or whatever like idea of romance that is, is that pop culture the, has implied about this story,
0: it's but like it's, what influenced um, all of like our moms' romance pocketbooks.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. And so you can definitely I could definitely see where I was like, well, this wasn't really like what I thought of it in the when I read it. Like <laughs> it was just yeah. definitely like you could tell they were like taking. Romantic from liberties. that, but yeah.
0: Um, romantic. Sorry, I was just for my own input googling, I wanted to double check the title of the movie. My first Ray finds was Made in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, which cute. is the yeah, cute. the rom com with uh, um, yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lopez, yes, which is, I would. Say, they stole a good movie I think I watched it within like the last year that was my first in a long response. time yeah
1: yeah I yeah I built a real strong relationship with the movie before
0: <laughs> I firmly believe that yeah I would argue as well that the best way to experience 18th uh 1800 so 19th century literature is for through the movies first yeah because like a good Emma film or like a good Jane Austen generally, so good. And sometimes it is nicer to ease in through because a lot of the movies don't go that far off from the books when it comes to these No, books, yeah. to these stories, and- except for Frankenstein. Frankenstein, I will say, is the exception, yeah. but like.
1: Yeah, Frankenstein's pretty straightforward. Like it doesn't have a lot of like fluff to it yeah which is hard which is hard because neither does Jane Austen like Jane Austen is very well edited I would say but like
0: yeah
1: it's the experience of reading a 19th century novel is not going to be have the same effect as it as a some as a 19th century person reading it right like yeah you know this was it used to be this is what YA was for them like
0: yeah exactly (laughs) exactly Um,
1: people were like what are like what are you reading you know and it was like it's all the girls our classic literature
0: yeah yeah they're just gathered around like the fireplace reading the manuscript yeah giggling at all the same points like
1: yeah so I agree like I think watching it getting getting to know like the characters a little bit and like the general plot and then reading it to glean more is like yeah is is a good experience I yeah I would argue that
0: have you ever seen oh god what is it called i'm gonna have to google it real quick so basically i'll give the quick synopsis while i'm googling it okay so it's about this woman who like wins a contest and she's like obsessed with jane austen and her friend tells her to go to this retreat because it's a jane austen like you go you live in a big mansion they give you all the outfits they give you characters you're basically like cosplaying for like the week or weekend or whatever however long you're staying and her friend tells her to go because she's like, you're, you've been single for so long. You've got such high expectations. This is all because you read all of these romance books and you can't get out of your head about it. Austin land. There we go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that movie really kind of summed up this experience of like, you want to, so she, well, she goes and there's other women who are also acting Like they're they're paying for this experience as well, and there's actors who are there and they're playing around, and it's like you want to experience that with friends. So Mm -hmm. like you want to watch the movie, you want to like have those memories. Yeah, it's like *Pride
1: and Prejudice* the movie. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've watched that at a sleepover.
0: Exactly, exactly, and everyone (laughs) giggles. Everyone's like, "Oh,
1: their hands
0: (laughs) touch." Yes, yeah, and he's like, his like hand does the thing, like oh god the shivers um yeah exactly like there's so much about this that reading this as a classic you don't get because not that like you can't conceptualize but like you don't get that same kind of group experience that same kind of like Mm -hmm. everyone's reading this because there aren't 50 million books in the world everyone in your neighborhood is reading this together and you're all talking about it because you go to church on Sundays and you're sure as hell not going to talk about the fact that there's less men on the market now because that's <laughs> depressing. <laughs> We're all going to f- talk about the letters. Fine,
1: Mr. Darcy. Yeah, the yeah. letters. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: f- last thoughts. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's last thoughts is that this time around, I appreciated Heathcliff more than I did last time. I think I saw a little bit more about why he was as shitty as he was,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and I feel for him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I see Kathy in a new light now. I used to just like errantly hate her. Yeah, but I, I I feel bad for her too because it she was very much a product of her circumstances.
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, I definitely saw. A little bit more the um what's the word I'm looking for the the gravity of having a perspective from Nellie yeah. I really felt that a lot more I was I paid a lot more attention to it in fact I think I'm gonna write a blog about it yes. <laughs> um, nice nice and uh like if she was a character in the story that had a little bit more like she'd just be my favorite she's my favorite character but yeah. I yeah I, I don't know it's difficult for me to say that because she doesn't really have a lot of agents like she doesn't participate quite a lot but um mm-hmm. but yeah like I I paid more attention to kind of like the sequence of events just because like I've read these passages and these scenes like so like I'll just go yeah. through and read a, the scene you know like I no, <laughs> like I've, yeah I've like almost memorized them sometimes um but like kind of seeing the sequence and like the the crescendo or like the the building of like what's mm-hmm. happening um a little bit clearer yeah it, I do agree like I understand where Heathcliff's coming from and yeah. you've kind of helped me understand like yeah Kathy was kind of put there though like yeah. like I, I'm bit. not
0: defending because like her i actions
1: I'm because I kind of welcome that idea of like yeah. I don't want to hate her <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so I think from like what what a 20th 21st century idea of like what we know of of that time yeah she was definitely put in that situation so yeah yeah i i loved it and i'm so glad i got to talk
0: about it as well Yeah, i'm glad that we got to share another one of our favorites
1: i know so if you haven't already yet go watch the 1992 version yes it has a epic soundtrack some of the best music ever written um,
0: also, has I wish they had Fines. it on Spotify. Uh,
1: also, has Ray Fiennes and Juliette Binoche plays Kathy, and she's so good. Um, and even the gal that plays Nelly. Anyways, <laughs> um, okay. if you want to learn more about the Brontes, also watch To Walk Invisible. It's a PBS masterpiece, yes. and um, it's actually incredible because it's incredible. It's very historically accurate, and it's fairly new. Um, if you want to know about their lives, which is really fascinating. So, what are we reading next week, Melissa?
0: Nothing. What? Next week. Why? Is our end of season.
1: So, it's our end of season. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's already gone.
0: It's coming. Next it's week, we're once again going to get drunk. Yes. <laughs> and talk about the last 12 episodes, 11 episodes. Yeah, we'll probably do
1: something similar like, top tops
0: our, to- our top tops <laughs> and our top bottoms <laughs> yeah yep mm-hmm. cool all right well can't wait <laughs> can't wait until next week what in the meantime however yes we have a book club that we're starting
1: yes in like a couple of days a couple of weeks,
0: a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, our, our first, our first meeting is going to be the end of this month.
1: Yes. January 29th. Yep. Um, you can go to our website or Instagram and sign up and we'll send you the discord link. We're going to be reading a court of thorns and roses series, and we've stretched it out in a really comfortable reading schedule for the whole year. So yeah. just come in, chime in. If you want to talk about fairy smut. So
0: <laughs> I know I do. I'm, I'm so excited. excited.
1: <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, as much as I loved Weathering Heights, I'm like, oh, yes.
0: <laughs> like, you need some work. What's my next content. read?
1: What's my next read? Crescent City. That's
0: right. I'm yes. so excited. That's going to start us off for next season.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Don't
0: tell anyone. Shh. Don't tell anyone.
1: We're we're gonna be Matt Moss bitches soon. <laughs> with yeah, SJMs. Yeah. Okay, all right.
0: Until next time.
1: Until next week. Happy reading.
0: Happy reading. Bye. Bye. Sorry, I had a bunch of cheese before this.